This week, we have a relaxing fireside chat about Waterdeep Dragon Heist and the campaign we are currently running. Joe's going to tell us all about his character, the misunderstood thief, Cowry, while I talk about running downtime and how to make it feel effective in your campaign. Welcome to We Speak Common. Cool. Hi, how you doing? You right? Hello. <laughs> <laughs> Just a thousand miles an hour. Uh, Joe, how you doing? You all right? You good? I am very well, my friend. How are you? I am still ill, but okay. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because we... No time has passed no time since, has last passed since the last episode. No, no just break down that curtain. Just rip it down. Don't look at the man we behind are, the computer screen. We are literally 10 minutes on from when you last heard. We're not. Us. We're actually about half an hour on because we got talking, mate. Oh, yeah, we do. We started talking. doing that thing mates do. I don't know. It's <laughs> disgusting. I hate it. You're a friend of mine. Um, but we have got a topic, so let's... Yeah. Um, let's, let's I tell you what, let's set up the topic and then go into our first bit. Yeah. So, go on, go on. Well, I just want to talk a little bit about, you know, D&D. Uh, make, makes sense. I mean, makes yes, sense on obviously. This, on this Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Um, yes. But I want to talk about our new adventure, uh, Dragon Heist, which we're playing through at the moment. You say new. How many sessions have we done in this one? I think we've probably done five, six? Yeah, and then we did the whole starter set with the same characters. So yeah. Probably, so, probably like not, ten sessions or something. Yeah. Oh, it's been... I reckon it's probably been about 11 or 12, to be fair. Maybe, yeah. Um, most. So... I, do, I want to talk about it because we spend a lot of time talking about our other characters, you know, specifically... Our homebrew ones. You know, paladins and whatnot. And the wizards. But I'm playing a rogue at the moment, a, a rouge, if you will. A rouge? Yep. A red rouge. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I've not really played too much of a uh, rogue before, and I find it very interesting, Ben. Are you enjoying it? I am enjoying it a lot because I think it's the perfect class for this setting. The city, the rogue just thrives in the city setting. Yeah. You know, um, especially when I'm playing a thief, which is what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and I think that my character, um, Cowrie, he's a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a wood elf. Yes. Um, mainly because they have dark vision. It's uh, almost required to be a it's rogue these days. It's kind of helpful when you're stealing <laughs> things. And sneaking around in the dark. Um, but I found it really interesting playing him. I, he wasn't very fully formed when I first came up with him. Un, you know, sort of out of, char- you know, out of my own character, if you will. I uh, just decided to make him very basic to begin with and mm-hmm. flesh him out as I went along. Mm-hmm. You know, he was just very sad. He didn't have a tragic backstory or anything like that. Which my, was, my character doesn't. Which is very out of the, the blue for me, you know. Um... Yeah, you usually like a bit of drama, don't you? Yeah, and I think... But then I've kind of, as things have gone along, I don't really know how it's happened, but I've kind of made him a bit of a um, anarchist, if you will. Yeah. He's a bit of an anarchist, and I don't really know where it's come from. Um, He doesn't align with my own political beliefs, I can tell you that. But he um, he's a a bit of an anarchist. Um, He's... I would say he's like a fake socialist. Like he, <laughs> like he, he's he's actually very selfish, but he kind of hides it or fools himself into thinking he's uh, a man of the people, if you will. Yeah, and it's very interesting because in this current session, he's like trying to persuade the rest of the group to go and rob a police station basically effectively yeah so uh, bear in mind I'm playing in this I'm not playing in this game I'm under DM I was playing in the star set and we transitioned so I am running this game um, Waterdeep is a very big city it is the city of Splendor and there are many 
splendor. There are many uh, guard garrisons around. Um, bear in mind, the game is called Dragon Heist, mm-hmm. and I have put in heists. You've somehow managed to come up with one that I hadn't planned. So, dear. <laughs> but see, um, Cowrie is a big fan of the arts. You know, specifically <laughs> paintings. Yeah. And he knows there's um, a fair few decent paintings in this establishment, in evidence lockup. They were part of a crime scene. Yeah, effectively. Um, and he wants to go and steal them. Now, again, the, the, the art thing, I thought it, at first it would just be a fun quirk, but I'm beginning to realise, again, it's a, it's a, almost like a, a veneer to cover his own insecurities because it, to him, it like, legitimises him. Mm. It's... It's something from high society. It's something that he feels like he has a greater understanding of than others. Mm. That he can critique and absorb himself in that other people can't. It's like, aha, see, you know, you, you're you just not getting it. I get it, you know. <laughs> but it's a way to, again, legitimise his own selfishness and greed and desires by saying, look, it's better off with me than anyone else because I understand it. I can appreciate it. Mm. The other people who have this stuff can't. And it's the same with... And they don't deserve it. It's the same with everything he steals. He's like, it's... I'm doing the world a justice by taking this stuff from people who certainly don't need it Mm -hmm. um, and they don't deserve it. And I think that that's kind of formed his political beliefs. He lived on a... like a farm... Hmm. Uh, with a dad who was a bit um, a, a kind of a bit I think overbearing hmm. and difficult um, they weren't the richest people in the world but they weren't poor by any means but he sees himself as a poor person I feel like I feel like your therapist at the moment literally <laughs> he sees himself as a, a poor person you know because he's always wanted more yeah and I think that's his part of that's his innate, innate desire to be a wood elf even the, to be out there to, like he has a an inbuilt lust for freedom and to be away from authority he wants to be in the woods you know all that stuff like where his ancestors were mm. but he, now he lives in a more um, controlled civilised rural setting of this farm you know and he's like he's like why don't my parents get this that this is wrong this is like against our nature yeah and that has evolved into him but ironically he likes living in the city so it's <laughs> it's a it's kind of it's all false you know it's a, just a way to justify it in his head and he he lusts for that freedom but at the same time, he lusts for the recognition of his peers and the people around him. He wants to be accepted. He wants people to um, admire his intelligence mm-hmm. and the fact that he's right. Mm-hmm. And he wants the acceptance of others. And he does that through, you know, through this stealing and trying to elevate himself in society. But at the same time he wants to be free of it all but I think what he actually wants to be free of is these insecurities yeah but he just doesn't know how to do that so and I think that I'm trying to figure out whether he's a good person or not that's what I'm trying to think because I'm trying to figure out because he hasn't had a tragic backstory you can't justify it with anything like oh you know he's this way because of X you know yeah no it's It's, not like that it's not like that he and really his family you know his dad and that I see him kind of not really a bad guy he's just trying to get by you know what I mean and do the right thing and Cowie was always quite difficult and stifling and he probably didn't have the best dad in the world but he's taken things too far now and this whole thing of like he tries to he's always lecturing the party on um how they're basically, you know, quote unquote NPCs. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're followers of this system. You know, and this system is it's unnatural. This this civilized place, and I don't think he's in it for all out complete anarchy. But he's saying like, we're all 
slaves to this system anyway? What's going on? Like, why yeah. follow these laws when they're basically inhumane anyway? We're all if we're all prisoners, you know, we're already prisoners to this system. Then committing crime is irrelevant. All I'm doing by committing crime is is taking is sort of taking the red pill, you know. Yeah, and yeah. and and I'm I'm awakened, but you're not. You know, you're still in the matrix. I'm seeing everything else for what it really is. <laughs> I think he's quite an interesting character. I think. You know, you've got that. Oh, you're a rogue, so you steal things. Ah, oh, but it's not like that. There is a, there's depth to it, and he's he is genuinely clever. And the way you play his his heisting techniques and his inventing, which he has done before, is is a lot of fun to to be a part of. I think. Um, I don't know if he's a good person or not. I don't know. It's difficult because because he does he does do good things but he doesn't do them in good ways and I think he's there's a, there's a lot of hypocrisy with his character because I think that in his mind he's like hey I just want to be free I just want to be free of this system and these people but yet he's drawn to the sea he could just go off in the woods he could do that he could just leave yeah but he doesn't want to do that because he wants the um this, these material things and this recognition and what he really seeks is recognition he didn't get recognition from his dad or his mm. parents which is probably what he wanted yeah um, and he's been rebelling against that ever since and now he's trying to get recognition from his peers his party he's trying to get them to see things the way he sees them because he thinks that's the only victory mm. the only way to get people to accept me is to get them to blindly follow me to make them right and he's doing it way too forcefully you know yeah. he, he has no he does has no understanding of how to con how now you can see this in the fact that he's basically got an apprentice yeah <laughs> squidly and what does he do with him he constantly berates him and molds him to see things exactly what it is he's basically trying to make him a mini version of himself yeah because he's like that's how i win is by making people forcing people to mould to my way of thinking which is so ironic because he's trying to break away from this civilised system which he feels yeah. is doing the exact same thing yeah it's it's deep and I, I wonder if maybe there will be a moment where he realises what he's doing or he realises that he can just let go of all of this that would be interesting to see how he develops from mm. that point on but it's it's also that kind of thing of like well he's so far gone and I think that the art thing is a again it's just another manifestation of his insecurities he wants to feel accepted like he has that he can be part of that higher society even yeah. though he hates high society and he's rebelling against it <laughs> part of him wants to be accepted by it right he's he's just got the fear of missing out for everything and i think he rebels against society because he's not accepted by them mm. but he's not accepted by them because of how he behaves yeah there's no reason he's not like it's not like they're inbuiltly racist towards wood elves no it's just that he his behavior alienates himself from people even though what he wants is to be accepted by people but mm. it's all basically his fault and i think that every now and again you get a glimpse especially with the art thing when he's looking at it after he's stolen something it's like a really weird feeling for him like he finally got he's got this really expensive painting yeah which he stole and he got it and it was highly dangerous and uh, there was a massive cost to getting it you know it was not worth the cost basically there's a risk as well he nearly died yeah and one of his friends nearly died as well and he got it and he was looking into it and at first it was like that innate um 
dopamine rush of like, aha, I've won, I've succeeded. Yeah, I got it. I'm looking into this. I see the... Everyone's telling me this is ridiculous. I shouldn't be risking everything for this. But I see the value in it when no one else does. Mm-hmm. It's It belongs with me. They're just... They're peasants. They don't get it. But I do. <laughs> and he's looking into it. But then comes that next feeling, that immediate almost like buyer's remorse, where it's like, it's just hollow, you know? Mm-hmm. Then you get that feeling of hollowness like... It doesn't last long. That You get that innate dopamine rush, but then it's gone. Mm. But then the more he looks into it, he does see the beauty in it. And ironically, it's a painting of the city, <laughs> of, the of, city. of Waterdeep. Yeah. The thing he resents but cannot escape. Yeah. And he doesn't want to escape deep down. And ironically, he's looking at this symbol of freedom of, aha, I've got one up on the, the, uh, the establishment, is a painting of the establishment. Mm-hmm. And it's just so thematically perfect. He yeah. cannot escape himself. It works so well, and it's, it's. And I think he just needs someone to sit him down and say, "Carrie, it's just, okay. It's okay. Just be yourself. <laughs> we accept you. We yeah. accept you. You don't. You don't need to keep acting out. No. It's okay. You know. We. And I think, but part of him, his complaints are legit. Like, and it also ties in really well that the the story of Dragon Heist, like all the taxes are jacked up, and like there is actually an oppressive. Oh no, that, that is that is just that's normal water deep. But because of like you've got all this money that's been stolen, stolen and everything, yeah. like things yeah. are worse than they normally would be. Yeah. So the the it just happened to be I didn't really plan it this way that the adventure ties into the fact that some of his complaints are legit. Like Waterdeep is an oppressive place more so than it needs to be. What could be very interesting as well is the. The story is about this this big old pot of gold that's this gone missing essentially, and the race to find it. But finding that money is not going to be an easy thing to hide. Um, there is the possibility that the that, that people in the city, uh, higher up in the city, realise that you found it. Maybe you're working for them. Maybe you're working against them. What would be interesting to see what Carrie's reaction is to the city being they're asking for it back I think if Carrie actually got that it would completely break him as a character because mm-hmm. he would get it it'd be an immense amount of wealth and everything he'd basically be what he wants right yeah. to take this away from the system to feel like he won but the hollow feeling that comes after it like that it was just meaningless altogether yeah because his goals are in two opposing directions here oh on one side wants to escape it all and to be free of this system and and he does that by rebelling against it even though he can physically leave mm. he doesn't because he's a hypocrite he leaves or rebels against this system by breaking the rules and everything and if he does that in such a major way but yet he gets all this money and stuff which would only if he got all that money and spent it on material things it would just embed him more into yeah. this society that yeah. he hates if anything he would have no use for money at all because he um, completely disregards the idea of money you know that if he was a true anarchist that's what he would believe but he's not he's he's playing at being one um, and I think that I think that what he really needs is a a moment of like what do I actually want uh, why if I can step away from these insecurities that are driving all my childish actions mm. Where does that actually leave me? And I think that leaves you with a character that probably is good at heart because on an individual basis, he's never horrible or quote-unquote evil or bad to anyone 
as an individual. You no, know, he treats no. everyone as an individual. He hates the idea of a collective society of mm. being drones. He he likes people as individuals. So really, I think he does have a lot of empathy. And I think that's why he likes the group as well because they are all completely different people. Exactly. You know, and and as anybody would, he he rubs up against some people more than others, and and agrees more with some than he does with others. And there are little spits and spats, but there's never been any arguments or fights or anything like that. No, and I think what's going to either really save him from himself before... Because ultimately, I can see Cowrie are going two ways. He keeps down the path that he's on until the point where he gets killed. He yeah. just gets in over his head and he gets killed. You can't beat the establishment. They will, they will get you eventually. Mm-hmm. Or that individuality of the, of the party and those characters, he they are able to break him down and help him learn something about himself mm. and then that's when he can have a real character change but right now it's going the other way <laughs> I think there's only one character I think there's two characters in the group that would do that one of them is mine and he is on the back seat because I'm now DMing so and I don't think it would be fair for a, 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 for that to happen James's character has a very close relationship with Cowrie and I think um I think he could do it. I think as well because he's he's a what is he a gnome is he uh, or a halfling one of the others I think one he's, of the two I yeah um, it's been a while he's a little guy um, and he's a wizard and his his character is innately almost freeing in a way as well because of the way he sees magic and stuff it's like it, it he can break the rules but it's like breaking the rules of the world yeah. <laughs> you know as a, so that he has that innate kinship with him but at the same time um he's much more balanced i think what carrie needs to find is balance it's like you don't have to completely give up these beliefs and the way you are but you just need to chill it st- out step back from the edge get 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 back in away from those extremes mm. and th- i think uh, i think waterdeep's a very good setting for this mm. I think it's um, I think it's a great place to explore this stuff and I've always been I've always had a struggle with running cities as a DM I've always um, either not put enough in or put too much in or put things too sporadic or had areas that have not much and it's like well why why are they there if they've got nothing uh, they've, they've never felt right for me um, and going into this game I looked very closely at the city and and how to make it feel alive and I think I don't know you tell me I think I've I've achieved it better than I have before um mm. it's it's a it's nice it's a playground and it's nice having this place that I know the players are going to be in for a while and they're not going to leave they're not going to go anywhere else they're, they're it makes you confident in putting in more effort doesn't it yeah like I know they're they're stuck here now like not not because they're stuck here but like this is this is it this is where they're going to be and 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 they are committed and for the first time ever I've given you um a home base that I think you're actually going to use and <laughs> yeah. and enjoy having which is so hard to pull off in in, a, in any other campaign because you move around so often um, and I really want you to feel lived in and I want you to have downtime and experience the city and, and go out for coffee and <laughs> go out for a meal one day and go fishing and like live a life in a game where I don't think you normally do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's an ask. That is a big ask. I mean, we, you made a, a comment when we were playing over Christmas about how... Um, like you're like I've never been to the toilet in D&D like why have you put toilets here and I'm like because 
there would be toilets here. Um, that's normal. I still refuse to go in D and D. I went. I I had to hold it. Just no, hold it. I went. It's okay. Don't still worry. holding it to this day. Yeah, six years in. <laughs> yeah. many lifetimes. But I think uh, where we are now in the game, we've we've gone through that opening quest the one that gets you into the city and gives you that home base and now you're in the in the downtime bit dragon heist for those that don't know is split up uh, into four chapters and chapter two uh, is its own separate thing chapter one is the intro chapter two is where the characters live and breathe and become part of the city and then three and four and on um is where they become where the, the the story kicks off and once that kicks off you're kind of in it's quite fast paced um, and so you could spend months playing in this chapter two section of this book and just exploring the city. And I kind of want to do that, but also not to that extent. Yeah, um, I mean, I like it. And I think it plays, especially into my character, the fact that he will have an opportunity to live in this city and and breathe it um, and see how other people live. Mm. It will probably change his perspective a lot on a lot of the things we just spoke about. You know, he's going to be like he can see these people who are living who he, who he sees as um, sheep. Yeah, and enveloped in the system, but he can see that they are, you know, for the most part, happy. Yeah, you know, and it's not it's not harmful in the way that he think thought it was harmful in the way that he growing up felt stifled. Mm. It's it's it doesn't have that same effect, um, and so he can stop perhaps. Um, imprinting his own beliefs on everyone else yeah you know um, and maybe have that awakening we've taken quite a big um gameplay jump as well we've changed quite drastically from the adventuring moving around fighting dragons and, and all that kind of stuff into this very slow taking each day as it comes and there's mm. not much of an adventure each day and i want to talk a bit about how how we've pulled that off how I've pulled that off and how you you run in that as a character and how to make downtime feel just worth it to be honest because mm. there is there are times when I say okay let's over the course of five days what would you like to do because I'm not going to sit down and say each session is another day because you'd be playing in that for for ages and ages so there'll be sections where i say okay about five days go past what do you want to do for five days and then we'll focus on a couple of days and then we'll do another five day jump do you think that works do you think that mm, is yeah. effective i think so and it, <clears throat> i like this sort of stuff especially after a period of sort of intense action where you can i think it's important in any campaign when your players are awarded with stuff to give them an opportunity to kind of figure out what they want to do with those rewards mm. um you know and we've just got a house and things so we need that time to to kit it out and and do stuff with it well it's, it's halfway and through uh being renovated having walls torn down and put back exactly in, so. yeah and so i would want to as a kind of my sort of ocd here but i'd want to get completely set up before i kick off the next major yeah. quest if you know what i mean i want to i don't want to leave things lingering there but that's what i want to that's the kind of feeling i want to achieve in you um as the dm that's what i want to that's what i want to put across and i'm glad that you feel that way but then my question is what what are you going to do because i i I am the DM. I have the book. I know that w all of the options that you could do, and I know the extra things that I've put in. You could go and get involved with some factions. You could go and check out the shops. You could go and buy stuff for the tavern. You could open the tavern. You could make it a, a not a tavern. You could make it something else. You know, there's all these options that are given to you, and then I add on to them. But I fear that as if I were the player, I would have sat down and gone, okay, 
while we're here we've got this building i'll renovate it but what else do i want to do i'm in a city i could go and investigate like magic do you know what i mean like I'm, i start to think what would i do mm. and i want to know as as a player how you feel about that does that come across do you get that or do you do you feel like there are things that you can go and pull at i think so because like for instance the key things i want to do as carry is a. Uh, Obviously, steal. want to steal some stuff. Yeah, um, and we got that. We got that underway. Um, he's got this little apprentice guy that he needs to. He's like a key opportunity for him to teach him all the wrong things, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and he's he's looking forward to doing that. And so he wants to have some time to do that in a space which is not completely and utterly life threatening because the guy will just die because um, he's a bit useless at the minute. Um, and at the same time, he wants to explore some of these other characters. And sometimes it can be difficult to explore things with other party members if you're really enveloped in a main plot, mm. um, just because stuff's moving along. You know, you don't get that t- moment to breathe and, and ask, especially um, especially Phoebe's character, because I feel like they're quite similar in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, they're both kind of scoundrels. She's And he, um, he's trying to understand... Oh, yeah, what is she? She's like a bard. So she's she? a college of swords bard, but yeah. she's she's playing a sort of uh, like a kind of like a bounty hunter kind of character. Like she's not bad, yeah, but she's not good. And he finds her interesting because she sort of skirts the line between um, lawful and unlawful. Yeah, like she works with she work with the city watch, but she does it in a in a way that's not prim and proper and right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and that kind of interest carries. He's like. How good she's almost like a more balanced character than he is, yeah. Um, and he's kind of interested as to how, how do you make that work, basically. That's interesting, and then especially with um, uh, the, the, as you we were saying, like the gnome character, the wizard, he wants to he just wants to help that guy, yeah, you know, because he, he feels kind of indebted to him for what he's done for, for him in the past. He was the character who nearly died when they uh, well, yeah, they, they got they that had painting, like a pre adventure adventure. It was pretty, they? yeah, it was pretty awesome actually, but um, yeah, so he feels very close to that person because they've been in a, a very life threatening situation, yeah. Technically, they've all been in life threatening situations, but this one feels I mean, a there was more, a dragon at one point, <sighs> yeah, it feels a little bit more personal and um. So I think he wants to explore that. Also, he's very interested in what Orlo's doing because uh, mm. Orlo is evil as fuck. He's so, so evil. He's the most evil character in the party. This is fact. Don't it's deny not it, true. Ben. It's he's not true. He's 100% evil, Why Ben. Why do you think that? He wants to be a lich. I know this is true, Ben. He wants to summon Vecna or something. It's messed That's up. That's not true. Ben. You don't have the stop, full story. Stop denying You don't it, know the full story, he's Joe. He's evil, Ben. So Orlo he's is... evil. I don't trust him. He has one arm, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> that was a farming accident. <laughs> <laughs> so Orlo is my character from the starter session. He's a war wizard, um, war mage. He's got one arm. He's missing his uh, his right hand. Uh, well, from his from the uh, what is this part of your arm? Your your forearm. Your forearm. Forearm down. So he uses mage hand instead, uh, which obviously has has some drawbacks um and he lived on a farm it was a farming accident uh the old man in the village helped him not die uh when he was a kid his mum and dad ran him to them and uh he just one day was like oh i found an old book that could give you a hand and that's how he got mage hand and then he was like oh magic so he's kind of a oh magic yeah Orlo is a bit of a kleptomaniac but for magic like he basically wants to collect every single spell out there he want to he, he want to catch them all um that's his thing he's he's obsessed with it and 
in... All like Sword and Shield. Huh? Is it all like Sword and Shield, isn't he? <laughs> okay. That was a Pokemon <laughs> reference. Yeah, it was. That was well done. In, uh, well done. I'm proud of you. Thank you. In his, I hate Pokemon. Yeah, I, I know. In his um, backstory, without giving you too much, he came across a name written in a book and was told to never, ever, ever look into it. So, of course, he went, well, I want to look into that. So he is. Um, but when I took over his DM, I was very conscious conscious that I didn't want there to be a DM PC. I wanted Orlo to be there if the players wanted to use him, but I wanted it to be their option. So as soon as the, the base of operations was given to the party, Orlo was like, oh, I don't have to be with you 24-7. I'm going to take a back seat. So now, should you want to go and talk to him, you can be like, oh, Ben, where's Orlo? I want to go talk to him. And I'll be like, oh, he's... You'll be like, he's in the crypts being it... evil. No! No! Ben, just, this is all well and good, what you've said, but it's a crock of shit and you're a liar, okay, Ben? I know he's evil. He's, he's basically evil. Anakin Skywalker. He's not Anakin Skywalker! Point one, okay? Right. Evidence A. Yeah, he has on. one arm. How many arms does Anakin have, Ben? <laughs> Technically, there's uh, okay. a hand. Okay. Arm, How many does he have? One. Mm. Uh, thank you. And a robot thank one. Thank you. Okay. Yeah. Okay, Ben. Yeah. You're telling me he... Uh, oh, he found a name in a book, and he's going to look into it. This very evil, dangerous power that he's just going to have a look at, Ben. What did Anakin do, hmm? Ben? Did he want to Did he want to save Padme, Ben? Did he look into some evil powers, Ben? Did he look into some powers some would deem? Unnatural, okay. Ben. Right, okay. Is, would you say Wagner's pretty unnatural? Because okay, I would, Ben. I've okay, never... Ben. And this takes me to point three. Okay, Ben. Point three. Mm, yes. Are yeah. you ready for this, Ben? God. He looks evil. Okay. He doesn't look he evil. Looks evil. Who? Orlo. Why does he look evil? Visually, he's very evil. He's not. What is visually evil about him? Oh, uh, you know, Ben, the, well, the one-arm thing's pretty evil to begin with. I mean, with. the swash sticker gives it away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he's got that old, creepy man vibe. No, he doesn't. He does, Oh, he ben. really doesn't. And he's arrogant, Ben. He's okay. Ve- he's, he's very arrogant, Ben. And what does arrogance lead to? The dark side. What I will give you is I hadn't realised how parallel <laughs> he is to Anakin Skywalker. <laughs> so, fair enough. But but in all seriousness, James is um, running me my own private D&D game for Orlo while I'm DMing Dragon Heist. We haven't started it yet. He's, he said I've prepped it now. I'm ready. So um, we're going to... Gonna, it's going to be like a one-on-one slash maybe two-party kind of thing um, just so that I can play his story out more. And the way it's, it's looking is that Orlo is going to be given some options. Uh, there are going to be paths that will be the good way and the bad way. And I don't know which way he's going to go. I genuinely, I had never planned him to be evil. I never planned him to be, um, to be good. He's neutral. Uh, he's lawful neutral, um, and he's just out to find out about magic and stuff. But you know, he could be evil. Yeah, it could happen. Probably will. Ben, if you just take out Vecna and you put Darth Plagueis in there, Ben, <laughs> what do exactly we get? exactly the same. I feel like you're just going to rip off a Mission Impossible mask right now and there's just going to be George Lucas sitting in front of me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> ah, it's cyclical! Ah! <laughs> ah! it's, it's, like, uh, it's like poetry. It kind of rhymes. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, anyway, but yeah, so that's what's going on with him. But it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of fun. And I, I don't know, would you would you feel like you ever go, oh yeah, I think I might go and see what Orlo's doing. Or, oh yeah, I might use Orlo for this. Yeah. Do you feel that way? I think so. Yeah, because I like I like the idea that people are just off doing stuff. Well, he will as soon as this James game starts, he will be gone. He won't be around but for a while. But I like while. the idea that I could just I can go and find NPCs and stuff. And I think we know this is just a 
sort of 101 of how to make things feel dynamic and real yeah. is have shit going on in the background that you don't normally see you, yeah you don't yeah. see and when you go across something and it's different it feels like ah oh, time has passed you know the world is not literally revolving around me yeah. even though it literally is in a and d game um, but you can give the illusion that whether you stay or go or alive or dead it doesn't matter the world will continue without you and forces will clash and whatever and that's kind of the thing I'm trying to get with the downtime is like I want it to make it feel like time has passed but not so I don't want us to sit down and then we go okay three weeks has passed here's what's happened I want you to live in it and I want you to feel like it's passed and I think I, how do you do that because I feel like I'm kind of getting it but also at times I'm worried it's it's too snappy yeah but I feel like at the same time for me as a character I just like to look at the map see a cool place on there and think I'm just going to go there and see what's going on yeah and the downtime facilitates that really well yeah you can't really do that in the middle of a you know sort of um, breakneck pace adventure no where the rest of the party are all in- got involved but I feel like I can because it's a more laid back part of the adventure at the moment I can just say hey to another PC let's go here and, and check this out let's and go then, get coffee yeah, and, yeah. And, and stuff happens you talk to NPCs obviously there's a lot of kind of improvisation that comes on in the DM's part well in this that is area. the thing some of it isn't as well because like so the the street Trosco Alley that your your manor is on um, in the book has five places and the amazing people of the internet have fleshed out so that every single building on the map has something in it and there are literally like there's a bookshop and you can go and pay for spells there's uh, a teacher's place you can go and pay to learn a new skill like we've got James's character is a wizard but he wants to stretch out into alchemy um, and we've got these whole I've got this whole rule system for alchemy that he wants to learn I said to him look you can do it but you've got to go and learn it you've got to go and learn how to use an alchemist kit and get one you've got to learn how to use a poisonous kit and get one you've got to learn about the ingredients and go and collect them like this is what downtime is for us you know what I'm going to do Ben in one of these downtime sessions yeah for no reason whatsoever go on um one night I'm just going to go because um, uh, Carrie's a pretty good climber you know yeah. being a thief and whatnot. I'm going to go and climb to whatever the highest building is Assassin's Creed style <laughs> well, I'm just going to sit dive on off the top well I don't know about that um, but I'm just <laughs> going to sit on it so that will be a thing I'm going to do mate you and can I do that and I feel like I can do that because you can. we have some downtime Yeah. I'm just going to go and do it I'm going to see if there's an easter egg up there maybe there's a flag or a feather to collect um, god I'm going to have to think of something now and I now it's going to be like now collect 400 feathers around the city <laughs> yeah a little a little uh, a, a diagram appears above your eyes that says one of 400 <laughs> yeah um, okay, and uh, I guess the, the the final thing is then is um, th- we're in the downtime now. We're enjoying it. You, do you feel like you have like I, the the thing I worry about the most is that you go. I don't know what to do this session. Do you always feel like you come to this session and you know you've got something you want to do? Oh, yeah. That's fine, then. I have loads of stuff, because uh, especially with Zafir, it's quite easy. It's like, I want to steal a better sword, and I, I will go and do that. Or, you know, I want to acquire stuff. I feel like downtime is a lot about acquiring things, whether it be wealth or whatever. It's yeah. just, it's just. But you can go after specific stuff that you, that you want. Um, I do feel like this is an opportunity for you to really explore your characters, and that's what I want the most. I want you guys to get to know each other, know each know yourselves and well it's then, just it's the montage isn't it where everyone's yeah. gearing up and doing but, stuff but, yeah but it is a montage but I also don't want it to feel like a montage I yeah, want it yeah. to, to feel real and, and like it's happening to you yeah no I think that it's it's definitely needed in this type of adventure mm-hmm. it's definitely required um, to be able to 
you don't want to save the city unless you're invested in the city. You exactly. Know? Um, it's, you need to live in it and breathe in it for a while before you um, before you go and try and put on the players that, hey, this is really important that you save these people. And it's like, well, I don't care about them because <laughs> yeah. I don't know about them. But if we can really get to understand the people, people of Waterdeep um, and the place itself and mm. become attached to it, that's when you'll want to... Um, to save it yeah so I think that's quite important it's like a, it's kind of like in the greatest cartoon of all time after the last airbender yes um, in season 2 they spend a lot of time in Barsingsay so then spoilers when Barsingsay falls to the mm. Fire Nation it hits quite hard because yeah. you're like oh all these we people love this that place. live here yeah. yeah you know so that's um, uh, if they just went there spent an episode there and then it went capiche um you know, it, we wouldn't really care. Yeah, but yeah, I need to rewatch Avatar: The Last Airbender, um, and then maybe Korra. But eh. I did watch it. Korra's very good. It is very good, but I just I got I didn't really like the spiritual side of it, which is weird because I'm quite a spiritual person. <laughs> yeah, I mean, season two was very bad. Yeah, but season three, very good. Very good. Season four, not as good, but still quite good. Still enjoyable. Watch Avatar from the beginning to the end. This probably quite a few hours of TV there quite a lot sage advice watching things from the beginning to the end yeah, I, I mean, like that Ben because I was going to jump in halfway through but now you've told me this I mean if you want to play hard mode yeah. just pick a random episode <laughs> each day <laughs> watch it like like a weird time jump show um, I watched the last episode first I think uh, closing notes then downtime very important but it is a, it is a very different type of gameplay so you've really got to be ready for it you've got to make sure your party are ready for it and they're going to be invested in it but it, it works out a lot um i like this joe we've kind of just had like a little chat we've just t- talked away haven't we i mean that's what we do most weeks no i know but like this has been quite relaxed i think it has been quite relaxed and i think there's um i hope there's something there that people can take away from it yeah yeah i mean you tell me is carrie a good or a bad person i'm not really sure don't tell me about orlo because you've got a uh, a bad representation of him from just joe. don't you don't have to tell me whether Orlo's good or bad you just have to tell me whether Darth Vader is a oh, bad guy and then it, we can establish from there whether he redeems Orlo himself is good or at bad. the end though so Darth Vader does redeems himself right at the very end doesn't he throws the empire down a, down a shaft which apparently spoiler alert didn't work <laughs> <laughs> it's not a spoiler he's in the trailer yeah um, he just he went down one of them slip tubes that like yeah. Luke did in, in yeah yeah and then yeah he managed to fall far enough away from the Death Star that when it exploded he wasn't hurt by it just yeah. floated through space like Leia did. Good thing it's all explained. I love Star Wars, mate. Love it. Love these films. Uh, well, on that depressing note. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, have a chat, tell us what you think. Uh, we are at We Speak Common on Twitter. We Speak Common at hotmail.com and if you see it on reddit it's me so message me i don't mind just stop sending me nudes please because it's not appropriate okay or do <laughs> please don't that was a joke okay um cool we'll see you next week but are we joking joe it's my reddit i don't want nudes <laughs> or does he okay Bye-bye. bye Thanks for listening today. If you like the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a like or review on your platform of choice and share us with your friends. You can get in touch with us on Twitter at WeSpeakCommon or through the email WeSpeakCommon at Hotmail.com. The music in the podcast is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is licensed under an attribution license CC by NC. 
You can find it on the Free Music Archive.